0: I, it's tough to, I mean, that limp wrist that he's got, like it's really tough to overcome that and get a nice solid clap. But,
1: you know. Uh, this
0: this
2: limp wrist
1: right here. <laughs> hey, you know, I was going to point out, was sick last week because I got the, the second COVID shot. And if Jeff felt anything like I did on Wednesday during the time he had COVID, I don't blame him for being a little bit of a weakling
2: yeah i mean I had it pretty good. I had jeremy to to get me anything i needed and and take care of me so
0: <laughs> yeah i'm good for that i'm a, i'm very I'm a very supportive person
1: uh, yes kind and of gentle like is what everyone first thinks of when they when they think of you yeah uh,
2: i I think so that's probably that's probably fair. I' just catered catered to my every need. Yeah, it was nice.
0: What what can I get for you today, Jeff? What can I get for you this hour? What can I get for you for this
2: hour? Right. You need you need me to prop your head up. How about your feet? Yeah, pretty much. It was nice. Yeah. And then I got got back here. And it was uh not so nice because I was all alone.
0: Gorgeous. <laughs> <Poor Jeff. laughs> yeah. Hey, guess what? I was all alone too. Thanks, buddy.
2: That's right. You were. Yeah, man, what times we had,
0: what fun times. All right, boys, what do we got on tap for
1: tonight? Well, since the last time DQs. we've, uh, uh, DQs, since last time we uh, shot or uh, recorded, I've shot two section matches, Illinois and Wisconsin. I think they're both interesting things to discuss. Well,
0: wait, wait. You, you guys, this is the second week in a row. You guys have missed the important part of this. Are you drinking Kentucky Spirit tonight,
1: Sasquatch? No, I uh, made it old-fashioned
0: with 101. Oh. And Jeff, what do you got?
2: I am drinking Johnny Walker, drinking some scotch tonight.
0: Oh, jeez. You know this is America, right? Yeah, like I defe- mean, it's... We defeated those people in, like, the 1700s.
1: It's uh, you know, we never fought Scotland, right? They're like (laughs) they're a country. We didn't we didn't have a war with them. It's the same thing.
0: It's all part of the British Isles. Same same difference.
1: They were they were British in the same sense that America was British. Yes, you are correct. Similar uh, similar similar love for each other, I believe too. Yeah. Same difference.
2: You like watch the History Channel and stuff, don't you? I
0: don't have I don't have like cable and
1: nothing like that, or textbooks that have any history besides Texas. <laughs> no, we do. We literally have a year
0: of of Texas history, <laughs> and uh, I can't remember if that was junior high or high school. I think that was junior high that we had Texas history. But
1: well, Texas became a state in what like eighteen. 18-
0: uh 1876
1: i think yeah actually. 1870s 1880s something with like it so by the time you were in middle school it had been a state for like 110 years and you guys covered it for an entire year yeah
0: texas has texas history is pretty freaking cool
1: bro i know i saw the alamo smaller than i thought it would be
0: was missouri its own nation at one point
1: no no um, it was not Texas was. Was being the key word.
0: Uh, it can still become its own nation if it wants to. It was in its contract whenever it decided to become part of the United States.
1: Yeah, it makes this excuse, but, you know, it never does.
0: Uh, It was, oh, no, I was wrong. It wasn't 1876. It was 1845.
1: Oh, that's way wow. earlier than I thought. I yeah. thought it was after the Civil War.
0: No, it was before. It was before, yeah. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since I've had Texas history, and I have a terrible memory, so I don't remember things like that. Anyway, I got some Peerless tonight, uh, which is American, so because um, I'm American, and that's just how we roll here in Texas. But Oklahoma, they don't really care about that.
1: I'll I'll tolerate Jeff drinking scotch because I also like scotch.
0: Whatever you do, you okay. You shot you shot Iowa and the Wisconsin sectional. I did Uh, back
1: to back weekends,
0: back to back weekends, and then you've got Area Four. Like you have like four weekends in a row, right?
1: So the the end of my season looks like this: I have I had Illinois, or sorry, I had Iowa, then Wisconsin, then Area Four, then my state match, and then I have a weekend off. And then I'm in then I'm in uh Alabama for nationals. So I've gone like out of Jeez. seven weeks I'm home one weekend.
0: That's a lot of matches.
1: It is, but it's it fine. Is. So how did Iowa go? So Iowa went pretty well. I mean overall I shot well. Uh came up a little short, which is I think I lost by like four points to Joel Park. Wait, wait, how did I miss this? You lost to Joel. I did, sadly, like by like four points. Oh man, or I'd... or Joel beat me by four points. I guess it depends how you want to look at it. He'd yeah, probably say he beat me. But... I'd say I say lost, but I don't know. Uh, Anyways, it was it was a close one. Which was the funny part there, I was thinking about was. One of these days, one of those matches that's like a five-point spread is going to finally go in my favor. (laughs) I I know there's been at least three that I've lost by less than five points. Yeah, maybe we should. Five points
2: better, man. You think we
0: should get somebody else on the podcast, Jeff?
2: Probably,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. We're we're taking applications. Email read custom pistol smithing at gmail.com with your shooter resume.
0: Yeah, that'd be a great email to send that to. Uh,
1: you know, I was probably a little bit different than a lot of the matches you'll see because they don't have a ton of facilities there. So they, they basically, they have five bays to use and they kind of use the side of another one or the other side of the bay to build a short course. So it's generally a 10 stage match that will be like a couple of 32 round stages, a couple of like eight to 16 round stages. And then the remainder will be you know, those middle 16, 24 round stages. Uh, Scott, and his team up there do a pretty good job though. They run a good match. The stages are generally interesting and we'll test everything. But we started on a strong hand weekend stage, and while generally my my strong hand weekend shooting are pretty good, uh, it was it was not good for that match. So That'll come back to bite you. It's it's very you, you can't give up thirty seven points on the first stage of a match, and, and it's really hard to come back from that.
2: Dude, that's yeah, another so thing that you like to do. Yeah, it's really it not so
0: much that you're losing these close. Close matches, it's that you're just donating lots of lots of points on like the first stage.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could think of it that way, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you lost points there, but you also there's other spots in the match lose points. Like everything you do after that point, you can't you can't be like, oh, if I just done that right, I'd have won. I don't, I think that's a terrible view to have because once I was in the hole, then you know you're shooting aggressively the rest of the match so it's certainly yeah technically was that the difference in points sure but had i not done that would have i shot as well on stage two stage three stage four who knows so it's i don't want to take that view of it it's not a would have could have should have it's just uh Big hole to dig back from. And I came up short on that front. And Joel started with the lead and did a much better job keeping it than I did of getting one.
0: Well, I think like what Jeff is saying a little bit more is that not so much for just that match, but then there's this history of multiple matches this year. Like that's a, that's an issue to try and fix. Like, like you need to come out of the hole. Yeah. And are coming out of the hole
2: points. and and dropping points, and then the rest of the match you kind of take yourself out. Like this well, is what this is like the third or fourth match this year that you've had to do that, right?
1: Uh, I don't. This would be the first match that on the first stage was a huge hole that I can. What think about of. Ozarks? Ozark was on the second stage. <laughs> oh, totally different. The first stage was fine. The Second stage was a problem. What about Bighorn? Bighorn just was I don't think the first stage was that bad or did I I think I might have had a mic on the first stage did I
2: yeah you did
1: yeah might <laughs> I, I, I can't remember that's been so long ago <laughs> flip into the day not the not the two months ago okay anyway so something to think about yeah you're, pretty on good, while you're, you're pretty sleeping good coming out of the hole. Okay, most importantly, though, what I'm most sad about on this match, though, is they had really cool, like, WWE belts for winning the division.
2: Yeah, I saw that.
1: And I did not get one of those. Makes me very sad. That is sad. Hate missing out
2: on a good trophy.
1: No. But the good news is I did get a trophy this weekend when I shot the Wisconsin sectional.
0: So, right, so cool? I'm, I'm curious about the Wisconsin section. So, this this is a match that Ben Stugger was the match director for, correct? Yeah. So, he put it on in his home range. And Ben... I mean, Ben has... I mean, as far as I know, it's the first match Ben has ever run. I don't I don't even know if he's run, like, a local match. I could be wrong on that. I don't think it. he
1: has. I think one time he said he used to run a local match, like, years ago. I don't think he is currently, but I think he has in the past. Okay. So, early on. But,
0: but Ben does uh run i mean he builds stages for his classes quite often um and so he he does get a lot of experience building stages and obviously his his goal in class might be different than uh than building a stage for a match um but i'm kind of curious how you know a top level shooter would set up a match i was kind of curious how this match was going to go um so what do you think
1: I'm going to point out something first, though. I actually was not originally planning on shooting this match. I jumped into it at the last minute because somebody had shared something online where somebody was complaining that the round count came out, and it was like 187 rounds or something for 10 stages. Yes. And was comparing it to Illinois, which is also a match I shot, which if you listen back to the podcast, you'll remember I said, like, they had a lot of field courses, maybe a little too much. Yeah. He was equating round count to quality, which is not a fair comparison. So I, so I commented, like, oh, this is a match I want to be at. And then I got roped into going because I opened my mouth. So I traveled up there with my friend Alexis. And the the match did not disappoint. I kind of, when I saw the round count and, and knowing who was building it and that it was all going to be all IPSC targets, I really expected it to be a very IPSC-like match that we would generally not see in the U.S., Mm -hmm. so i think um from talking to people that do shoot a lot of ipsic like overseas not you know like ipsic nationals but actually like overseas ipsic matches you generally see a lot more uh difficult shooting challenges in ipsic and a lot less hosing Mm -hmm. and and I, i very much think this match hit that on the head uh there was absolutely no like stupid hosing of run here and shoot eight rounds run here shoot eight rounds run here shoot eight rounds Oh, you're done it was the shooting was in that most of the shooting was in that sweet spot where it was difficult shooting but not stupid so the best way to describe it is it's you know it's a hard target but if anybody pays attention they could hit it but it's not like it's something that I can shoot 10 times and hit 10 times. It's not something where it's like, yeah, if I shoot that target 10 times, you know, eight of them are going to be alphas and two going to be in that hard cover or something. Yeah. So the, the, the shooting was, was challenging without being over the top. Uh, hit factors were a little on the lower side, which is to be expected with that kind of shooting. Cause you, you know, you're, you're setting up a lot more, you're shooting one or two targets, you're moving. I mean, there was one stage where it's like, you had two setups where you were shooting one piece of steel. You, like you set up and shot a piece of steel, and then had to move and shoot one more piece of steel. Yeah, I um, had a Rhodesian wall that was had an interesting setup. It was it was made in a manner that would you could use the ropes on either side or hook a leg on the outside or under the wall to shoot around it, and it had a port in the center. But hmm. uh, overall, it was it was a very fun match. It was very challenging as far as the shooting difficulty was. And I I had, a, I had a good time. It was probably one of the more fun with a shot. And they had a cool trophy. It was a state of Wisconsin cut out of woods, so how did you uh I mean did you feel like it was a more athletic
0: match than what we typically see?
1: No. Uh I mean, not that there wasn't a plenty of movement and stuff, but it wasn't like stupid movement. It wasn't like run twenty yards and then shoot something. It was, you know, move 3 or 4 yards and shoot something else move 3 or 4 yards and shoot something else type of stuff it wasn't it wasn't like area 3 where you're sprinting a you know quarter mile and then shooting targets
0: are you saying having 20 yard runs is inappropriate in USPSA
1: uh, I don't know that it really should be a common thing i think it would be a better way to say it i'm not going to be like that shouldn't be here if it pops up once in a while but I don't think you should expect it at a match either.
2: Jeff, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean I sort of agree. Like I don't the, uh I don't mind I don't mind seeing it here and there, but I don't want like every other stage to have to book it twenty yards or something like that. Uh yeah.
1: I mean at the end of the day, even like if you go back through and dig through the bylaws and the purpose of USPSA and stuff, like, it's about, it should be about the shooting, which is what this match was. It was all shooting stuff. It wasn't a bunch of dumb non-shooting challenges. You know, you had, there wasn't anything that forced you weekend, but on like the Rhodesian wall, you could have shot strong hand weekend there. Um, you, had a, you had an unloaded starter two. You had a little bit different start positions as far as, you know, starting on the outside fault lines, inside shooting area, just very, very balanced match. And the stages were appropriate on round count. You know, there's a couple of field courses, some medium courses, a couple of short courses. Uh, did a good job on the swingers too. Like all the swing, except for there was one swinger that you that you shot at uh, what we typically see on USPSA swingers where they're dropping out to one side and you're kind of shooting them at the stall point on the bottom near the ground. All the other swingers, you're pretty much shooting somewhere in the arc above the barrel stack that was hiding them.
2: Hmm.
1: So uh, they're pretty much all multiple pass swingers.
0: I don't guess I realized that that was, I I don't think I would have made that same observation that USPSA is you only shoot swingers at the dwell.
1: It's, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say you always shoot them. It just, it seems like that's what we see the most of. Hmm. I
0: guess I, I guess I wouldn't, wouldn't make that same generalization, but that's, I mean, that's interesting. Maybe it may be true.
1: Which is when I think back to like the last 10 swingers I've seen in a match, you're generally shooting them on, on the dwell.
0: Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like it's a good match. Uh, I, I tend to, I, I would on, as far as the 20 yard run, I would, I would kind of, I think that's a decent thing to have in the sport because it's, uh, I mean, I mean, Sasquatch, you said you don't want to see it even on a, on every single match basis. You're fine with it. Like every third match type deal. And Jeff kind of said, well, I don't want to see it every other stage. So obviously there's a, yeah, I don't necessarily want to see it every other stage, but I do think there's some I think it's okay in our sport to test athleticism along with shooting because if we're because ju- we're not just a shooting sport. Like it's it's not just shooting. Um and so I think it's okay to test some athleticism within yeah. within a reason and there's there's amount of reasonableness to like you can push that to to the extreme. Um which like I saw a video from It was like USPSA Nationals from like I don't know, like 1980, like 1979, something like somewhere back in there. And dude, these people were like climbing over like walls where you had to like use a rope to get down. I mean, it was it was like extreme. And and Rob Latham actually commented, he said, you know, he said I won a lot of matches back then based purely on my athleticism, not like it had nothing to do with my shooting. It was just based. I was just more athletic than everybody else, which is interesting because now rob win matches based purely on his shooting um, right. and nothing to, he, you actually still see glimpses of rob's athleticism it, it it shows itself every once like there'll be like one stage <laughs> in a match where it's like okay he he was an athlete i mean he's had like four or five knee surgeries but you know like it's it's interesting that he you know the kind of the evolution of the sport in that manner and that back then kind of like the origins of the sport, it was very much, uh, I mean, it was just, they just did crazy stuff back then, um, that we don't, that we don't see nearly as much today. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, I would hate for, a a a match director like a Sharon Greenfield to hear what I just said and think, oh, we can go crazier than what we've had. (laughs) I, I I would hate for that to, uh, for that to be what gets heard. But, um, I don't think I don't think testing athleticism is, is a bad thing.
1: No, and, and like I said, if you have the occasional that you have to run long distance, I don't think that's a problem. I think it starts becoming a problem with like you, you see it every time. It's just like anything else in a stage. If if I see a 32 round field course twelve times in a match, it's a lot less interesting. Yeah. If I see uh two swingers on every single stage, they're a whole lot less interesting. Just like, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, variety and, and a wide variety at that. Yeah. But no, Ben, Joel, Wanzig, everyone else involved. I don't know who else was involved in like setting up and running that match. Uh, I think uh, Ronnie and Lori, who are... Local to Ben there, I think she was doing stats or something. They they all did a great job. Like the match ran smoothly, and and one thing that uh the Ben did really well is he ran through awards quickly. Like we didn't sit around for forty five minutes to hear every call. It was like keep moving. Like this guy won this trophy. All right, on to the next one while he's on his way up. That's good. Nice. It, it'll definitely want one I plan to shoot again next year. But definitely, and I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but also it was you know all the targets were Ipsy targets, which was an interesting change from the from what we see in the U.S. because they are a little bit smaller, a little smaller A zone. So they certainly make uh, the shooting a little more difficult without adding a bunch of other stuff. Yeah,
0: um, I'm actually kind of a little bit surprised more match directors don't use. The IPSC target more just because from a from a match management point, if you're going to have wind, if you're going to have rain, if you're going to have like there's potential to bag the targets, uh they man they hold up so much better um, than than our than the USPSA
2: target.
1: Yeah. Well, no like, like you like Mike just said there too. It's a it's a way you can make the shooting a little more difficult without like shoving a target farther back. I mean, uh, an IPSC target. Fifteen yards probably presents about the same difficulty on the A zone as a USPSA target does at you know twenty yards.
0: Yeah, it's it definitely does. Um, you can't get away with as much, you know, because you don't have those that big square shoulder and the the A zone tapers more. It's not a big square A zone, and yeah, you definitely definitely can't get away with near as much as you can.
2: I've always liked shooting those targets more.
1: They're my preference. I I like them a lot. Probably the, the only thing that... The only reason I probably don't shoot them exclusively for practice is because for some stuff I want to use the head of the yeah. target, and they don't have a head, so...
2: Right, yeah, I kind of found that. For, I was going go out and, and, and do some drills, and I was like, oh, I don't have any heads on these things.
1: Yeah,
0: but you can put a partial up there and only have, like, four inches of the, of the target I, exposed,
1: and it's... I know.
0: Presents the same challenge.
1: I know. I didn't say you can't or won't or anything. I just said that that's why that's probably the only reason I wouldn't shoot them exclusively
2: for training. I have shot them exclusively this year. They're the only targets I bought.
0: I pretty—that's pretty much all I train on. I mean, every once in a while I'll have a a traditional target, but for the most part, it's turtles.
1: Yeah, I think
2: every other year I've bought the. Uh, what are they called? the metrics right
0: yeah our targets the uspsa targets are called metrics the turtle targets are called classic which is so like it's so backwards Mm. right um but yeah
2: yeah i think every other year i've bought the metrics and this year i bought classics for no particular reason
1: just spice it up a bit yeah i just have a box of each in the garage
2: I only bought twenty five targets to train on this year.
1: gotta save those pennies.
2: That's right. I'm almost out, but my last match of the seasons this weekend so
0: so a match that I had originally planned on going to this year, none of us were at and and for I'm actually partly sad that I wasn't there, but for other reasons, I think we're all quite happy we were not there uh is area five. And things got a little Western at area five this year. Uh yeah. so, you know, Jeff said that, that the, the, the podcast is not going to support or like pick <laughs> like a, a person that they're going to like, like they're like, they're, we're going to be Switzerland as far as candidates for a USPSA president. And, uh, I think I could be wrong, but I, I I'm going to, I'm going to make an assumption. I think, as a podcast, we can say that none of us will be voting for Brandon Radar uh, for USBSA USPSA president. That would pretty be pretty much exclusively based on what happened to Area 5 and more based on his reaction to his what happened to Area 5. So for those of you who have not seen the videos, uh, Mr. Radar was moving up range, running up range. In a gravel bay, which I guess that was a big problem for him. Uh, and he tripped and he threw his hands down to soften his blow. Of course, in that he broke one A with his gun, and ended up dropping his gun or throwing it down. And as doing so, the gun discharged and the round basically passed between two people and embedded itself in a berm on the opposite side. Like it went through like an alleyway of basically, Mm. and, uh, bad, bad, bad deal, um, and, you know, I, like, part of it, like, when I first heard about it, it's like, okay, like, the guy dropped a gun, it went off, okay, like, the gun is, like, we can address that first, like, uh, if, if you have a gun, and it, and this was a, this was, I think it was an open gun, I know it was a, a 1911, 2011 platform of some kind, I think it was open, it could have been limited, um, if you, if you have one of those guns and you drop it and it goes off, and your sear nose isn't broken in half, then whoever fit the trigger parts did not know what they were doing. Because because the only way that that happens is is one you have such a weak firing pin spring that it's it's kind of like the Sig three twenty when the, you know they would they would go off when they were dropped right. Uh, yeah. if you have a super weak firing pin spring and your firing pin's heavy and you have extended firing pin, it, it could go off like that, but that would almost require a muzzle down drop. Um, otherwise it means your, yeah. your sear nose slipped off your hammer hooks. Uh, and it should, in a, in a trigger job that's done correctly, the sear nose would catch on the half cock notch. That's why that is there. Uh, if it doesn't, then the person that did your trigger job did not know what they were doing. They did not set your gun up in a safe manner. Um, like I, I, I saw him say, I've already ordered new parts. It's like, well, you, maybe you ordered new parts, but maybe somebody needs to know how to install them correctly. Um, so anyway, the the other thing about his reaction is that that got people pretty heated uh, is that he then proceeded later to post a selfie on Instagram with a blizzard <laughs> from Dairy Queen, and he was smiling like with a thumbs up, like "Hey, got DQ today." And it's like, bro, you almost killed. Like, you put a lot of people at risk. You almost killed some people, and in, in doing so, like, you could have been extremely damaging to this sport. Uh, and there was virtually z- there was no. Perception on what he posted that, hey, I almost killed somebody today. I really effed up.
1: Yeah. And that kind of, you know, swings back into my biggest issue with it. It's like, did he drop the gun? Did he, did he hit the ground with his finger still on the trigger guard? Don't know. Hard to tell from the video. Obviously, a very unsafe uh, condition. And certainly, I would think it's very preventable by people being a little careful. But it's you know an accident i guess but to be so unaware to post that picture online just kind of is a little ridiculous and i saw some screenshots where he was like arguing with people about them being like yeah you shouldn't be posting this kind of stuff
0: yeah he was like like, saying like yeah see me whenever i give an f about what you think and and like like there was absolutely zero contrition on his part um for that
1: Which my worry is is that he doesn't feel like he really did anything that bad. Like, yeah, I I don't know about you guys personally. I think there's only one of two ways you handle that. Either one, you don't say anything and and you, you take it back and you have some serious thought about what happened and what you can do to prevent it. Or two, you, you you make a public apology of like, Hey, I screwed up. This happened. I'm gonna work to make sure that never happens again.
0: Yeah, and there was a bit of I think blaming the range surface uh, and that the gravel caused the fall, and that was that was why like he there was it was an unsafe range surface because there was my understanding is there's a bit of a speaking to people that were there like there was a bit of a blow up with the like him getting DQ'd. like he was not happy about that either like well the it was the range surface that caused me to trip and that's this is an unsafe place to shoot, which um, just a gravel it's a gravel surface. Like that stuff's mm. everywhere. Like if you can't, if you can't keep your feet under you, then, uh, yeah. and keep the gun pointed. And it's th- here's, here's where I, the biggest thing I had with it in his, he posted a, his recollection of, of the events. And in his recollection, he purposely put his guns down in his hands down in front of him to soften the blow. So he wouldn't hurt himself. And I'm sorry, but like, if you're, if you're running up range and you're tripping and you're falling, you knock all the teeth out in your face before you before you put your gun up in range and you point it at people and you potentially end somebody's life. Like I don't care what happens. At that point, that's on you. You need to you need to eat that dirt uh and deal with it. Um I in all honesty, I told this to somebody, if I did that, I don't know if I, I that might be the last match I ever shot in this sport. Like I, like if I, if I was that close to killing people, like, I don't know if I could put a gun back on my hip and run
1: around with it again. I think wow. I would certainly be taking a long break. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Cause that's,
0: that was, that was crazy.
1: It was exactly on my point. Just how unaware he was of it, that he, like he thinks he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's a much bigger concern
0: yeah so i I don't know if he's still planning on running for president um I would assume this has ended any hopes of of winning that or getting votes period for that, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I think it would be a bad idea for him to continue with his thought of running. Yeah, I don't think that would. I he's don't
2: like think a it's, little uh he's like a little baby foley just like lashing out at people online.
0: Yeah, like, that's what's, yeah, he was, like, before all this happened and whenever Foley was there, he was talking about how basically he wanted to, he was going to be the opposite of Foley and do all stuff different than Foley. And then, like, this happens and, like, he behaved exactly the way Foley did uh, anytime Foley was confronted with anything.
2: Mm, Just imagine what he would have done if he would have had the band hammer. Oh, man. Man.
1: If you ban the people you almost shoot, does it still count as almost shooting people? Right. right. Yeah. Does the
0: DQ stand at that point? <laughs> These are all good questions. So, speaking of DQs, our very own Jeffrey <laughs> Cawthon uh, had a, had a little yeah. bit of fun at his uh, recent local match. Um, yeah. t- why don't you tell us about that? If you are, I mean, you said you were willing, so.
2: Uh, yeah yeah I don't got no problem talking about it yeah so I was shooting a local and i think the third third stage into the match uh it was it was kind of a strange dq for me because um it, it happened on the draw and it wasn't like like I wasn't trying to whip the gun out and rip like a 0 point8 first shot or anything like that like i was i was pulling the gun out to shoot like a 10 yard partial. And, uh, and it was off to my side. And so it was just kind of strange and really unexpected, uh, that when I pulled the gun, like pretty much as soon as I cleared the holster, the gun went off and impacted probably, I don't know, two or three feet in front of me. I mean, it was like a three foot, uh, piece of, um, fault line and I was standing on it and the bullet impacted like right beside that same piece of fault line. Um, so it was very close to me and uh, scared me. Yeah, I immediately showed clear, holstered, and was DQ. Um, what kind of adrenaline good?
0: dump did you get at when that happened?
2: Um, it honestly wasn't as much as I would expect. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it it just got me thinking. Like I was immediately thinking, why did I do that? Uh, I haven't. I have. I've done that one other time. I think it was in my first two years of shooting. I was shooting in nineteen eleven. I was making a lot of other mistakes at the time, but it was in practice. It wasn't at a match. And I pulled the gun and ripped one into the ground. It wasn't that close. It was you know five ten feet in front of me, probably closer to ten. And on that day, like, I unloaded the gun and went home. It scared me a bunch that day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: so, this time I was like, why? Why did that freaking happen? Um, so, I just got to thinking about it and thinking about what i had been doing in training. And came up with a couple of different things that uh, were, were causes for it. Um, I mean, ultimately, the, the cause of it was that my finger was on the trigger before I was ready to shoot it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I do apologize to everybody that said that match, that was not good. Um, and I have been working on that issue to make sure it doesn't happen again. So
1: it was, uh, your foot for almost shooting it.
2: No foot can suck it up, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how my last match before area four went. So Just you said uh,
0: you're doing stuff to work on what are you doing to try to fix it. Obviously you haven't been able to replicate it in dry fire or anything like that. I don't know what like you wouldn't try to replicate it.
2: Yeah. So I I basically figured out there are two two things I think contributed. One of them, now that I think about it more, was way more of a contributor. But the first thing that I thought of was well, I've been uh, basically not setting the trigger in dry fire, okay? So I don't know when the trigger really goes off, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that was the first thing I thought of was, okay, I am i haven't been setting the trigger, so maybe this is just a, a habit I developed from that. Uh, I still think that could be the case. But the main thing is I really, like, once I got home, I when I immediately started dry firing when I got home, Uh, I drove, I drove home, I put all my gear back on and I started dry firing, trying to figure out what was going on. And it, uh, I figured out that the way I index, I index like the web of my hand, my thumb and my index finger on different places, right? My, the web of my hand on the the beaver tail, the thumb sits on like the, the top part of my holster hanger and my index finger sits on this little indention in the, in the holster. Well, that indention is the fricking trigger. And I just hadn't thought about it. And so I was indexing, basically indexing my finger on the trigger outside the holster. And, uh, I just, it is something that had just slipped my mind, something that I had not put two and two together. Um, anyway, so I immediately changed where I was indexing my, my index finger and to where now when I, when the gun clears the holster, my finger is on the frame. And, uh, so yeah, I'm changing my draw before area four, but needs to be done because we saw what happened. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was just a mistake and, uh, a bad one, a dangerous one. You know, we have these safety rules in place, um, to keep people from getting hurt. And, you know, it is a, a deserving DQ when someone breaks the safety rules, because like what happened in area four, it's very likely, um, somebody could lose their life over it. So it's just something to think about. And, you know, it's, as soon as you think you can stop thinking about these, these things, uh, you know, 180 or, are not ripping one off by accident or a reload or a draw or something, it, it'll, it'll sneak up on you if, if you don't keep your technique in check and your fundamentals. That's part of fundamentals for me is is keeping those things in check. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm working on.
1: You know, I think it's important to remember too, like part of our safety rules are that they might seem a little excessive so that you violate them before it's truly an issue. You know, like the the, uh, round going into the dirt in front of you. I think the rule is 10 feet. It's within 10 feet of you and it's not a target, it's a DQ. For, yeah,
0: I, I know there's a ra- there's a radius like that and I I can't remember if exactly or, what the the for like but it's like it's something like, like that. Like
1: the yeah. like the 180 rule. I mean, generally speaking, if you look at it most burn or most ranges, you, you're probably not going to hurt anybody to like 200, but the idea with 180 is it's like it's a clear cut. This is a a line in the sand that everyone knows and can work with easily.
0: That's why yeah. I, I hate ROs that stand directly on the 180 line. Like they're standing at like 185. It's like, dude, y'all are dumb.
1: Yeah. yeah but, but also, I think you take the most appropriate reaction there too. Is you're like, like this happened. This should not happen again. Like, you're you're going. You're working on diagnosing what happened and how you can prevent it from happening again. And I mean, at the end of the day, odds are, you sh- if you shoot a lot. Of matches, something's gonna happen one of these days. You're gonna you're gonna light one off on the draw. You're gonna light one off on a reload. I mean, if if you shoot enough, it's gonna happen one day or the other in practice or in a match or something. And the most important thing is own it and learn from it. Like, what can you gain from it?
2: Yeah, I agree. And I got DQ'd by uh, my buddy Mark from Texas, so. I've only Miller? been DQ'd by I've only yeah by Mark Miller. So I've only been DQ'd by people I know thus far in the sport.
0: Man, I got I need, wait, to, shoot, wait, so I that need that to start arroing you at matches.
1: Is that your second DQ? Yeah, second DQ.
0: Both at locals, or did you DQ at level two?
2: Oh, uh, Jared, Jared DQ'd me at uh, Free State.
1: <laughs> the one year I worked the match.
2: Yeah, like three years ago or some three in, or four years in ago. In
1: fairness, though, he broke like two twenty.
2: Oh, jeez. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Should we kick Jeff out of the sport? No, it was a, it was a terrible stage design. Y'all want to
2: hear something really sad though? I'm gonna tell you anyway. Um, that was the only match that my dad has ever come to.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> The, the worst part was, like, I knew the stage was a really bad design. So, like, I warned, as a, a shooter's briefing, like, I warned everyone, like, hey, we're seeing a lot of really close muzzles on this movement right here. Be super careful. And it still, I think I had to DQ, like, five people on that stage. Yeah, yeah bad. that's stuff. And, I mean, I was, I was being pretty lenient. Like, I was 100% sure you broke 180 before you got DQ'd. By 100% sure, I mean, like, yeah, you're, like, 190 by the time I was calling it. Yeah. And it was for more than just a split second. It was a split second. I was like, eh, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: the 180 can be a really tough one to call. Uh, yeah.
1: Good for Jared. I, that
2: one was not tough to call. <laughs> no.
0: Well, I mean, like, I really, like, appreciate you, like, like, talking about it like in an appropriate manner and like saying hey like it happened and this is what i'm doing to fix it uh i mean that's that's good i do think you're right probably i think both of those things probably contributed to it because uh, you probably got used to in dry fire putting more pressure on the trigger than than you would normally without with it just being a dead trigger and then yeah where you index like my i actually have on like the gun that i've dry fired the most it, it was a Sarakota gun and I've worn off a spot on the frame, just above, the, like close to the slide stop pin, because um, that's where my finger indexes yeah, on the draw, yeah. um, and that's that's very easy to do to to get to where you're indexing down there, especially if you're doing a lot of dry fire and a lot of speed training. Yep.
2: Yeah, so it was just just something I. uh Just some fundamentals that had fallen apart and I hadn't realized it basically.
0: Well, it's good that it happened at a local, you know? Um, Yeah. It's a good place to, to, I mean, you'd rather it be in practice and training, but as little as you shoot, have shot this year, then locals kind of are your training. So that's, that's a good flat, good spot for it.
2: Yeah. Yep. So there it is, is what it is.
0: So uh I have a I mean I don't I wouldn't even call it an announcement but I have I am done competing for the year. Uh I have have come to the conclusion that is that is what is best for me. Uh I don't know, a couple of weeks ago it was I was out of point I was like okay I need to I need to ramp up for nationals and it was more of a I needed to ramp up training because I had nationals coming up less of a I really want to go out and train a lot. Uh so there's a bit of that, but it was it was more so that I have I have not shot well this year. Like I've not and my confidence and more than I haven't shot well, my confidence has been pretty low all year. And I actually kind of felt like going to nationals and shooting poorly there, there was chance that, that would be way more detrimental to me going forward than um just just saying, Hey, this isn't my year, like it's not Trying to force it in a a month and a half, five or six weeks ahead of time. Trying to force it, it was like I will probably be better off saving resources for next year and uh, making a bit better plan for next year and and looking forward to that. So, right. so I withdrew. I withdrew from nationals, and
1: well, I think that's a that's a smart move because more so than just the the money that you have tied up in going and shooting nationals, which even if you do it super cheaply, is probably going to be at least a thousand dollars. if not closer to, but you're also losing like five or six days. Yeah. So it's certainly, if you're not going to have fun or get any value or enjoyment out of it, I think it's a smart move to back out. I think that's an important thing to keep in mind just in shooting in general. Yeah. Yeah,
0: like Poji asked me, he's like, uh, can you just go and just shoot and just have fun and not care about the results? And it's like, no, like I can't. That's not for nationals, like that's not why I go. Like it's I, like just just going right. for for shits and giggles, so to speak. That doesn't that doesn't really work uh, for me.
1: I can I can't shoot a local and not care about results unless I'm specifically like trying something. Yeah. Unless I've like accepted from the start that like I'm gonna shoot this as fast as possible, and there's gonna be a bunch of penalties. Like otherwise, I'm not gonna like. I care about winning the match. That's kind of the whole entire point of competing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I I, I get pretty cranky when I don't when I don't perform at least close to as well as I think I can, um, as I'm sure yeah. anybody who has shot with me can attest. To.
2: yeah you do i'm also very disappointed though because now i have to like room by myself and pay for it for
0: jeff minute. jeff has area four which he's gonna have to drive two and a half hours to get to so yeah but i was gonna to,
2: let you pick me up
0: yeah he so he's gonna have to spend five <laughs> hours in a car by himself uh and and one night in a hotel by himself
1: <sighs> Jeff, we're at the uh, Holiday. We're at the Holiday Inn Express. If you wanna wanna hang out with the uh, the cool kids, the CZ crew.
0: He does not stay in name brand hotels.
1: Are it was only a hundred and like ten dollars a night. Come on, Jeff. No, Jeff's now
0: Jeff's budget now Jeff's budget normally was at the hotel has to be under hundred bucks a night. Now he's in. It's got to be under fifty bucks a night.
2: Yeah. Well, also now that I don't have to to ramp it up. To to please Jeremy, I could stay wherever I want. So, I mean, that's a plus. Save some money, jeez.
0: Yeah, he's gonna be eating freaking like McDonald's. I don't <laughs> know if there's somewhere cheaper than McDonald's. I, I feel like that's yeah. probably about as cheap as you can get. Yeah.
1: I can assure you, we'll be eating Mexican food both Friday and Saturday night. No, <laughs> uh, I may end
2: up taking taking my girls with me, and they'll hang out with some friends up there. So it might work out, but. We'll see.
0: Tulsa has an incredible... Well, you guys, you've already been to that park. That, yeah, the park in yeah. Tulsa is pretty dar- dadgum incredible. For a city park, like if anybody has kids, I know people don't... Like probably people with kids aren't listening to this podcast, but if you have kids, like little kids and you're going to be in Tulsa, they're... I can't remember what they call it, but their city park is incredible.
2: It's the, it's the gathering.
0: Really cool. The gathering place. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty freaking cool. We went up there and watched uh, the fireworks on the Fourth of July a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Well, I'm I'm sad that you've given up on life, Jeremy.
0: It's really more that uh, the, I mean, the other the other the part other part of it is like, just just trying to train is is tough with a wife with two kids at home, one being like a, a six month old uh yeah they're just it's just tough uh and she has a stressful a stressful job that she's busy with a lot during yeah. the week um and Probably so especially right now yeah especially right now um so next year the kid will be a year older um things do get a little bit easier from uh like the two kids can play with each other we'll be able to play each other a little bit you don't have yeah. to have it's not you don't have to have constant surveillance on one like right like you can get away with 5 or 10 minutes of them doing their own thing and so that that will help out a lot next year
2: yeah it will well i have high hopes for you i hope i feel like this all kind of escalated from from the shitty placement of low cap nationals um and the, they just shot your season so hopefully next season is better, and we don't get nationals in May.
1: I really hope nationals in May is not a thing next year because I think if you stick production nationals in May again, you put the final nail in the coffin of the division.
0: Yeah, I don't. I really don't think they're going to do that again. Um, I, I, I mean, I think they may do single stack revolver, L ten, or something. Early on, which which, which still suck for guys like me, but like they they may do that again, but I don't think they're gonna put production in. I think they've heard surely they've heard the outcry that um, people are, weren't happy with that, um, so surely they won't do that again.
1: So I I know like for me, if if production is early again, like I will just make a hard switch to CO right after. Like I'm not gonna continue shooting it throughout the year. I did this year, uh, but I won't next year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're everything and that's just, wrong with the sport, Jared. You're everything that's wrong with the sport.
1: I I, I want to compete against people. Like, and, and all I, when I look at results from all these matches, I see that everyone is shooting CO and no one's in production anymore. Yeah. And I, and I think
0: that I, if the, if production goes back to normal time of year, um, end, of, end of the season type deal, I think you will see that uh, go away. I actually, COVID forced it last year. I actually really kind of liked having a nationals in September and then another one like a month or five weeks later in October. Uh, I um, think that's a reasonable way to set it up. I think that you know I don't I don't know like logistics wise for a range and for USPSA staff like like I, I know that I don't know how hard that was for them last year, but as a competitor, that worked really well because I was able to go shoot single stack, um, compete with that. And you know, you're, you're already kind of peaked for that nationals in September. And, but then it's just, then you had another month to get familiar with a different gun. Um, and, but you still got them both at the end of the season. And so you could have picked whatever division you wanted, um, to, to shoot the rest of the year and not felt like it was going to hamper you for whatever nationals you wanted to, to compete in. So I, I really liked that last year. I would, I would be an advocate of seeing that again
1: yeah yeah that wouldn't be bad
0: i will say right. just for jeff's sake uh i am like i'm already like thinking of like training plans like to get started back up again so that's not this is not like the end of the end uh for me i don't want to quit i really don't oh. want to quit shooting that's not that's not in my what i want to do so
1: you know talking about training plan kind of brings me back something too i was thinking about earlier today like but like at a seven and a half or eight hour drive back from Wisconsin today. Well, I I rode in the passenger seat. Alexis actually drove the entire trip. But I live I like, freaking on this podcast
0: with two freeloaders. That's that's all. Well, it's. well, <laughs> hey, it hey is.
1: Alexis has rode right. with me many places. Okay, he, sure. and I offered to drive.
0: Yeah, I bet you did.
1: He did not. He he said he preferred to drive, so I just rode. Anyways, the uh, with that sh- with the match having talking about training plans. So with that match having a little bit more difficult shooting, you know, I got the thing in like overall in my training. I haven't been doing that much like difficult shooting at like fifteen and twenty yards, which certainly certainly something I'm going to start pushing more hmm. uh, in my training in the future is shooting more of those hard targets. Like, I didn't, obviously, I didn't have too much trouble with them, but it would have been nice to shoot them faster.
2: I feel like I'm the complete opposite. I have been training too hard in, like, these last few weeks. I've put stuff at, like, five and seven yards. And I'm like, dang, I should do this more often. I'm I'm getting better at this quickly. Like, I I sucked at it, like, at the beginning of practice, just shooting close stuff fast and hitting where I wanted to. And then, you know, I was getting better at it pretty quickly. It's like, I should actually practice shooting close stuff every once in a while.
0: I will, anytime I like, like I'll have a practice and I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to, I'm going to work on, on speed. Like I, I I just reacting quickly and shooting really quickly. Um, I'll start the session with like the target stands like close and like shoot a couple of runs and then like, you know, I want to change stuff up. So I'll start moving target stands and very, I get halfway through the target, the, the practice session and all the targets have been moved way back and it's no longer a speed session. It's just, right. It's just, can you hit the stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely struggle with making myself practice that speed stuff, which I mean, like is, is somewhat fair, like to, to Sasquatch's point that you've been practicing like the, this, the h- closer speed stuff like that's somewhat fair in that most of the matches you go to, even if you're tested on the the more like a, a 15, 20 yard, even a 25 yard partial, even if you're tested on it, usually it's only a few, a few targets throughout the match. And it really is just a, like, it's not a matter, like it really doesn't matter how fast you shoot it because it's only a couple. It's just can't, if you can make the shot or not. Um, And if you can, even if you're shooting 50, 60 splits on it, that's no big deal because it's not enough. There's not enough targets in a row. Um, My buddy, I should give, I think, well, I think I already said this, um, but Bob Crow won Utah State. I think we talked about that in the last podcast, but there was, he was shooting with uh, Kenny Terry, who's a super squad, top 10 guy in limited. um, And they were, they were shooting a, a stage that had a lot of those kind of fifteen yard, twenty yard partials, and and Bob shot it. And Bob shoots tar- when he's on, like he shoots those targets like they're open targets. Um, and he sh- he shot it, and Bob was telling me, Kenny came. She's like, like I just I can't shoot those that fast. <laughs> like I just I cannot do it. Like I've tried and I can't do it. Uh, so I don't know how you're doing that, but I just can't. I can't shoot those partials that fast. And so if you end up with a match that has a lot of them, then that can become a huge advantage.
2: That's awesome. Just walk straight up to your competition and be like, dude, I just can't hang. I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's, uh, I mean, I've shot with Bob so much over the years. It's frustrating because like if you're squatted with him and you see him do that and he, he goes through it and it's like, okay you almost expect him to make mistakes at that speed. And he doesn't like, he's just shooting alphas on everything. And so then you try to keep pace. Like you're like, well, crap, I gotta, I gotta keep up. And it, it doesn't usually go well, um, at that point. Right. Uh, and so it can be very, it can be very frustrating and, uh, and very discouraging all at the same time.
2: That's awesome. We got to get Bob on here sometime. We
0: do. He's technologically illiterate. Um,
1: I, was, I thought you said he was not uh, the best with electronics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um,
2: Wait, you
1: next know time what? you I'm, go there.
0: I am actually. So since I'm not going to nationals, I'm taking my boy Declan on a uh, trip. So and we're actually going to go like it's like the. The eighth of October, we're gonna I'm gonna go up to Grand Junction for a couple of days and then go take Bob and I are gonna have some good bourbon and then then I'm gonna go take Declan fly fishing, which that should be fun with a almost three year old uh trying to trying to fly fish with him. Wow, but yeah, it'll I can't it'll imagine, be fun actually. <laughs> it'll it'll be I don't know if we'll catch any fish. Uh we may just end up throwing rocks in the river and he thinks that's what fishing is. And that's yeah. fine hopefully i'll hopefully i'll be able to catch a couple that he can get excited about um but but maybe i'll i'll take my stuff with me and maybe maybe bob and i if we can if we can break long enough between uh bourbon bourbon tastings then uh we we might can record a podcast
2: you don't have to break you can do it mid mid tasting that's fine oh that's true that's true uh we we might do that because
0: bob can talk for freaking forever Um, so he, he'll be, he'd be great to have
1: on the podcast. So he's also pretty good at shooting, which is always interesting.
0: Yeah. He's, he is, it pisses me off. Um,
2: yeah. Getting Bob on would be great.
0: Yeah. We'll, we will, we will, I will work towards it. I hadn't even thought of that, but that's a great idea. So we will look forward to having Bob Crow on the podcast in the future.
1: All right. We got anything else? I think we're wrapped up we'll have a area four recap next week and yeah, send us some questions send them to the I guess
2: the Instagram or the Facebook page. I'd really like to get us another way to to receive questions and get off those stupid platforms, but as of right now use use Instagram and Facebook. we are collecting some questions we'll do a an addressing before long.
1: well, I've I read tell you. It's talking about listener questions and stuff, both at uh, Illinois and at uh, Wisconsin section or Iowa and Wisconsin uh, had several people say they liked the podcast and then I thanked us all for, for doing it. So certainly appreciate the uh, listeners that reach out to us. As it matches. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for listening.
0: Yeah. It's very encouraging to hear that people like actually do listen and, and, you don't want to hear it because it, it can be like when you're when you hear nothing like you're just like well we see people that listen and download to it but we don't actually know like if people are listening and enjoy it. so hearing hearing feedback like that is good even if it's like hey jeremy's an idiot like maybe y'all should yeah. replace him like at least i mean still feedback that's fine
2: yeah but send your negative feedback to me or jared so that We'll actually tell everybody on the podcast about it,
1: (laughs) especially if it's negative about Jeremy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Jeremy just keeps the negative stuff to himself.
0: Hey, if you guys have if you guys have negative stuff about me, uh, I am like, send that. Just make that post that to our wall. Like, you don't have that. Don't even have to be a private message. You can just post that to our wall. That'll be fine. We really need to get a
2: a website so we can have like a wall of hate or something like that.
0: (laughs) That would be that would be good. We should we should uh, get our our web contact person That's to right. take care of that for us. Yes, look, yes. It's
1: definitely n- nobody on this show right now is smart enough to do a website, so <laughs> we got to outsource that.
2: That's all I got. You guys done?
1: I'm done. Stop recording right now.
2: Stop recording! Damn it!
1: Damn it! Oh, stop recording! Damn it!